What's up, everybody? Hello, Avs fans. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Arif Dean, and we are fresh off covering a game in Ball Arena together. For the you and I, first both time. at Arizona. For the first time in probably 13 or 14 months, they finally let us get two guys from Mile High Sports at the same game at the same time. And it kind of was a really long game and it was boring and it, you know, the avalanche won. But we did it. We covered a game together. That was crazy <laughs> how long that game took. It's like they were trying to torture us. It was f- nice to see them actually win. I think it had been a while since I had been in the press box and seen an avalanche win. So that was good to see. But that was my first game in the building with the crowd. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if you heard, but when we had Jan Hayda on recently on the hockey show, he kind of mentioned how the crowd games are feeling a little bit like baseball. Uh, I, I kind of got that vibe too, but that the fans that are in the building, they were fans that genuinely cared. I remember t- telling you at one point, like, wow, I don't think I've ever heard the crowd cheer so hard for a breakout pass. Yeah. Um, when I think it was uh, Nathan McKinnon just had a nice little tip over to Landy um, on a breakout, and you heard the crowd roar. So, yeah, I I like the crowd out there. I mean, it sounds like they're really engaged now more than ever. Well, that's the thing. It's You have 4,000 people kind of in this big empty rink where it's 4,000 people that want to be there. And and to put it it bluntly, it's 4,000 people that are willing to spend the money of whatever the hell these tickets are going for on the on the on the market right now on the secondary market and they're the people that really want to be there to watch hockey they're going to be all in on it and just like the rest of the world these are people that have been locked in their houses for so long where it's great to sort of be part of something where you can cheer and be part of this loud crowd and it it just sounds so much better than you know the fake noise and no energy and something that I did for so long that I didn't realize how different it was until we got the crowd back in the audience like we said a few weeks ago, there's always that one overserved guy who kind of yells ridiculous things, right? Yeah, and he's always two rows below <laughs> yeah, right the press there. box. He's always right there, so we can all hear. Right, him. absolutely. But like you said, he probably just had a lot of that built up. He couldn't wait to get out and scream somewhere, and so there's a perfect place to do it. So that was fun. But um, you know, the Avs have been taking care of business. Not many complaints coming from this podcast. Obviously, another two wins that they just racked up. Um, however, you know, they've been. The, the wins have been feeling like uh, they've been harder to come by for the Avalanche, not necessarily from an X's and O's standpoint. It just feels like they've had small hurdles here and there to overcome, specifically with juggling the lineup depth. So it's not just the juggling the lineup depth, and I'm not going to sit here and complain about this to an extent, but you know, earlier in the season and earlier in the stretch, which by the way, the stretch is 17-1-2 over their last 20. I can literally pinpoint all three of the losses. It was the shootout loss where Johansson played. It was the Vegas overtime loss at Ball Arena. And it was the Minnesota Massacre, as I like to call it. They're 17-1-2 in their last 20. That's the best 20-game stretch they've had. Earliest in, in, in club history. Earliest Earlier in that stretch, they were winning games 5-1, 6-1. What was it? 9-3 against the Coyotes the first time. Later on in these games, it was like the Minnesota game where they were up uh, five to one or five to two, and then it ended up five to four. Or Arizona where they were up three nothing, it ended up three to two. And it's kind of these teams are able to claw back in. But how did you explain it the last time? They're just they're bored. 
at this point, they're just bored and waiting for the playoffs. And that's kind of the feeling that I'm getting. They're just kind of cruising through these games, building up these leads, taking the foot off the pedal, just waiting until the hockey means a little bit more than, oh, now they're six points above Vegas or seven points above Carolina or whatever it is. So that's kind of been the weird stretch that's been going on. In terms of the hurdles of the lineup depth, uh, their depth is being tested. Finally, the depth is being tested, and, and it's it's a good thing that this is a season where they have the guys they have because when injuries happen, when vaccination sickness happens for Donskoy's case, you have the guys to back you up. And, and I can't stress enough how important it was for them to add someone like Carl Soderberg after already adding a guy like Liam O'Brien, who now is another guy you can use more regularly. It's funny how he's stuck around so much quicker than you know the Tynans and the Dries and the Megnas of the world. That's the one thing that is worrying me a little bit, like you said, the boredom part of it, because not only are they not exactly playing the full 60 in any of these games, but they're getting away with it. I think that's the worst part. Yeah. You know, you would expect them to at least drop one here and there during these last three or four games because, you know, they are dealing with some stuff, but they're still figuring out ways to win even without playing the third period in the last two games, right? So, hey, you, you know, this is a really good team, yeah, right? It's a great team. <laughs> it's it's, it's a great team, but it's the so last crazy. thing you want to do is to be in this mindset come playoff time, right? That's the only thing that's worrying yeah. me a little bit is no, and comfort, I get the that. complacency. I get that. Yeah, I get that. You don't want to be the Calgary Flames of two years ago that got whooped up by the Avalanche because they just were comfortable going in. But I think this team is still has an underdog mentality. Nathan McKinnon, Gabe Landeskog, all these guys, they still have the feeling in the back of their head of, we were a dumpster fire five years ago or four years ago in 2017. We slowly worked our way into the playoffs. We got beat by uh, San Jose in Game 7, which sucked. We got upset in that series against Dallas in a series we likely should have won. They're still feeling all of that. I don't think they're by any means complacent and and, and happy with where they're at. Um but they're bored. But I understand exactly what you mean because that's not the kind of games you want going in. But there's still, what, 13 of these things left? 12 of them maybe? Yeah. And so I, they got I think time. The, uh, I think the boredom factor was more a case against Arizona more so than St. Louis. Yeah. It did feel like St. Louis played them a little bit tougher. It did feel a little bit more like a, a playoff game, at least for the first half of the game, I would say. Avs kind of blew it open in the second period, and then third period was just kind of whatever, I guess. Um, but, yeah, you know, I just, I'd just i like to see that get tuned up a bit. I guess I have some sympathy for them because, like I said, they are dealing with some depth ins and outs and a lot of guys that we never expected to even be in the lineup. But, um, you know, there is one thing that I think they can definitely work on shoring up, and that's the penalty kill, right? They've let in three power play goals in the last two games, so... Uh, you know, we saw with the trade deadline moves and a lot of people on Twitter kind of complaining about uh, the penalty kill. I think that's definitely an area of concern, at least just something that needs Bednar's attention a little bit heavier right now. Yeah, so I think right now what's happening with the penalty kill, and I'll try to save some of this for when we get to the Twitter questions, uh, which were awesome. And a lot of them addressed, like you said, was addressed to the penalty kill is they're kind of going through this shift of guys in and out of the lineup guys like Logan O'Connor and Matt Calvert that play bigger roles someone like Carl Soderberg who's coming back into the lineup the defense is going through a little bit of a shift uh Bednar openly said and Nemeth hasn't played yet he's dealing with a lingering issue from his time in Detroit thanks for nothing Red Wings but uh, uh he 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 he's straight up admitted that the point of bringing in somebody like Nemeth is to sort of ease up the penalty kill minutes for guys like Gerard and Taves that are playing big PK minutes. 
what she necessarily doesn't really want them to be doing. So there's just a lot of moving parts. And a lot of these power play goals are coming at times of games where kind of like that Minnesota game where they were up 5-1 or 5-2 and then Minnesota scored two power play goals late. It's just it's coming at the time of the games where the Avalanche are taking their foot off the pedal. Um, if they were going into third periods tied 1-1 and letting in two power play goals in a row, that's concerning. But it's just things are adding up to the point where you're going to go through rough patches and that's kind of what's happening here because of because of all these reasons, basically. Right, ups and downs, right? And, you know, you, you see a lot of McDonald even on the power play. You see a lot yeah. of Graves, which I think he's going to be a mainstay, but we know all season long. PK. Yeah, on the PK. You know, all season long, I think Jared Bednar's kind of been really working with Graves and really, you know, maybe getting frustrated at times with him even on the penalty kill. So who knows if he's going to maintain the same responsibility he has. I assume he will. But, I think so too. Yeah, but you know, you you do you do need the help, and I think that's also a big reason for Soderberg, right? I, I like Bellamare. I think he's a good piece in the locker room. But I think personally, and this is just uh, me, I guess assuming things and speculating. I think Bellamare might be the guy that is kind of rubbing Jared Bednar the wrong way, and perhaps, just perhaps, I think that was the main motive for the Soderberg uh, trade. Uh, and I kind of see that too. It's to have more bodies of guys that play that kind of role. Soderberg is Belmar without the uh, without this season catching up to him the way that it has with Belmar in terms of production, in terms of consistency. Soderberg, I mean, he he fits like a like like a glove that you've been looking for for the last what is it year and nine months that you traded for a third round draft pick, and now you found the glove that you traded. Like you finally got it back. This guy was inserted into the lineup to play on the wing with Burakovsky and Kadri. He didn't play with any of those guys the last time was here. he was here. We got to talk to Soderberg after the game yesterday. Uh, he was asked five questions, and his media availability lasted a grand total of 139 seconds. <laughs> Two minutes and 19 seconds. It was, hey, Carl, how does it feel to be back? Oh, it was great. It's good. I love this team. And I asked him, hey, Carl, like you played with two guys that you never played with the last time you were here. And he said, it's not about the players you play with. It's the systems. I know the systems I fit in. And I was like, yeah, he knows the systems. He knows Jared Bednar's game, and he fit right in. So it was great to see that. The cool thing about Carl Soderberg, and we learned this really quickly yesterday, seeing him playing on that line with Kadri and Burakovsky is, I agree with you. He's coming in here to play a center role. Uh, that's going to be between him and Jost, who gets line three, who gets line four. But that's going to push Belmar out for some games. But injuries happen and whole play playoff games as well. But at the same time, he's still big old Carl. He's still the guy you can stick on the first PP unit if you need. He's still the guy you can stick on your second line on the wing for some reason, and it'll work. He's still the guy that you can use in pretty much every role. He's Nemesnikov of last year, except he knows the team better than Nemesnikov did. Yeah, and we saw last year how much the trade deadline lit a fire under Tyson Jost, right? It might have lit yeah. a fire under... Bellamare, because what Soderberg comes in first game, Bellamare has that nasty snipe. You know, if you remember it, the O'Brien tip and Bellamare just one times it right over Bennington's shoulder. I mean, that was probably the best goal he might have ever scored in his career. I mean, definitely in an Avalanche sweater, in my opinion. So, um, you know, maybe it, it, you know, lights a little fire under him and he kind of tries a little bit harder to produce more because we've said it before every year there seems to be a guy that might be in his last stint in the NHL, right? I mean, I can easily see yeah. Bellamare heading over to Europe and finishing his career there. He might be borderline teeter-tottering on that guy right now. Yeah, and that's kind of the way it seems. And we talked about this a couple months ago, I believe, where where 
you know, if the Avalanche go on a long run and Belmar plays a lot of games, he's going to get a contract, especially if they win the cup or make it to the cup final. Those guys usually get another deal. If he plays a lot of games. If he plays a lot of games. But if Soderbergh comes in and does what he does and Tyson Jost has been doing what he's been doing, it's it's going to be hard for him to find the ice. Granted, let's not forget who we're talking about, what team we're talking about. Injuries are going to happen. Belmar's going to be centering the top line <laughs> at some point for some reason. But, uh, oh God, I hope that I don't wish that upon anybody this year. But the reality is somebody like Belmar is going to need to take advantage of every game he gets because he got to play yesterday, but Donskoy was also out yesterday and Calvert was also out yesterday. And these are guys that are going to pass him in the lineup when they eventually come back in. And he knows that, I think. How funny was it? I mean, I, I know Nemeth went ahead and got a different number than his first stint here in Colorado. He was 12. What's he wearing now? I, I forgot. 24. 24. Doubled it. Yeah. Hilarious to me that Soderberg is just like, nope, I want my old number back. McDonald, you're wearing 26. Thanks, kid. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because Soderberg is such a, I mean, from what I hear, I mean, from what I've seen, well, not from what I've seen, but from what I've heard in the locker room, because I wasn't here when he was in the locker room, is he's got a great personality. He's just really shy. But the way he comes off on his media availabilities is the way he comes off on TV when you watch him play, when you see still pictures of him is he's robotic. He's just Carl Soderbot. He's just this robot and he does this thing. So I could see him just walking in like, nope, 34, let me take this jersey, put it on. <laughs> and McDonald's like, dude, and he's just like, I, I, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm 34. Like just no emotion, no nothing, like not even humoring the kid. Hey, I'll buy you a Rolex. None of that crap. It's just, nope, I it's my jersey number, man. I don't know why it says M-A-C. My name is spelled S-O-D-E-R. Like, it's just <laughs> straight Carl Soderberg. Um, I wanted to really let, quickly touch on McDonald, uh, you know, Jacob McDonald taking that puck to the face against Arizona, yeah. right? The reason I wanted to touch on it, because he got hit pretty hard. It looked like he was out and looked like, you know, that was probably the end of his night. He ended up just throwing on a birdcage and getting back on the ice. But the reason I say that is because I feel like that's, what you're seeing a lot of times from the Avs injuries this season. I mean, yeah, they've been dealing with some here and there, but for the most part, when you're seeing somebody go down, they're not going down terribly bad. They're coming back into games. We saw it with McCarr the other day. Who knows if that was injury-related or not, but I just feel like the injury luck feels to be on the Avalanche's side this year yeah. for once. It, it does, and and if you remember last year, I don't remember if you were at this game with me, but Miko Rantanen breaking in, I think it was on a two-on-one, and then sliding into the boards and separating his shoulder. All the stuff we saw happen at Landeskog, missing 16 games, Rantanen missing 16 games, Kadri getting hurt twice, Burakovsky missing a stretch, McKinnon missing a stretch, Grubauer. It was always these longer-term types of injuries where... It was the kind of injuries where when somebody goes down, kind of like Aaron Ekblad, he, he goes down and you think to yourself, this is going to be a long one. But we haven't had many of those. Even Brandon Saad went down, came back in. So it's been knock on wood, and I'm doing that on, on the microphone right now, is because they have had the injury luck this year. And it's just weird how things go like that. When it rains, it pours, or for days like, or for seasons like this, when when the luck is going your way, it just goes your way for a longer stretch. And that doesn't mean the Avalanche aren't going to run into an injury, and they probably will, and it probably will be to an impact player because right now everybody in that lineup's an impact player. They're all pulling their weight. It's just they've gone this far without dealing with anything crazy, you know, Byram and Makar and all this aside. And and it's it's refreshing to see because this team is good and they're able to finally show that. 
Yeah, they have a, a sense of relentlessness about them, right? They don't want anybody to break their stride. Nobody's going to hold them down. These guys have a goal, and they just seem to have a, a tougher chip on their shoulder than, than years past. And, you know, I don't know what it, exactly it's due to. Maybe it was just the simple bad luck from yesterday, but or from last year, I mean. But, uh, you know, I definitely see uh, an elevated attitude when it comes to that. Yeah, and it's it's, like I said, it's great to see, and it's great to see that when guys are going down, I mean, there was that stretch. McKinnon was missing games and a lot of top players were missing games. But when it's happening, it's a few games here and there. As funny as it sounds, Grubauer being out for 14 days for a COVID positive test seems like the longest injury they've had all season because that's seven or eight games, 14 days now because of how compacted the schedule is. Um, and I know Byram's been out for what seems like forever. And Logan O'Connor's now out long term. And EJ and Francis haven't played since... 2017 apparently and and i get that but it just doesn't feel like the same bad luck injuries that they've had in the past well how great was it to see connor timmons appear out of nowhere yeah he came out of nowhere yeah Yeah. that was great that was great to see and he looked good and i think i think the avalanche still have a lot of belief in in someone like connor timmons and this was actually crazy to think now that you said his name i was listening to uh puck soup and they talked about how, you know, Greg Wyshynski was talking about he he's not really a big Devin Dubnik fan and was hoping the Avalanche do something better. Now, are you familiar with how good of a season Chris Driedger has been having in Florida? Yes. So Greg Wyshynski mentioned an idea of the Avalanche could have probably swung a trade for Driedger, uh, Driedger, I should say, and it would have probably just costed them a Connor Timmins. Now, would you do that trade? No. Exactly. Well, that's the thing. So I would consider it just because of the D-depth the Avalanche have, but I probably I wouldn't do it. It's too early to, to give up on Connor Timmons. Exactly. exactly. And and that's with the fact that they have a Byram, a Gerard, a McCarr, and a Taves ahead of him and someone like Ryan Graves still in the lineup. And Ryan Lambert from Elite Prospects said that straight up. He was like, why in the world would you trade Connor Timmons for Chris Dreger? Chris Dreger might be an NHL starter. He's proven it this year. He might be a long-term NHL starter. And he's like, you don't give up on Connor Timmons. And that's like the fifth or sixth most important defenseman in this in this team right now. So it just goes to show the riches that the Avalanche have. And it was great to see him back in the lineup. Right. And we knew that going into this year, right? We talked about it a hundred times. Depth is going to play a more pivotal yep. role than ever. And I mean, you're seeing it right in front of our eyes and it, it's with names that you didn't expect. And I think that's what's most amazing, right? You, you, there's a, still a handful of guys that can produce eventually down the road that haven't even sniffed the NHL yet. So the depth, not only is it amazing right now, but it's obviously going to continue to be amazing. And in this playoff time, like you said, you, you're going to have one guy slot out and then you're going to have one guy that you kind of forgot about come right back in and yeah. you're going to, you know, yeah. it's going to be seamless. It's it's going to be funny because you're going to have someone like Belmar and, and, and Soderberg or Joe. let's just for argument's sake, say Soderberg's on the third line. I'm sorry to the Joe fans and the Joe stands out there, but let's just say, for example, he's on the third line, Jost, Comfort, Calvert, Belmar. Those are four guys. Those are four guys that are going to be rotating in for that third, for that fourth line. I assume Belmar sits, the other three play, and then maybe Comfort has a bad game. He's kind of been in the doghouse this year. He sits, Belmar comes in, and then maybe O'Brien comes in for a game because Ryan Reeves is running around hitting people. So Joe, you know, uh, for so Jared Bednar wants to have Liam O'Brien in the lineup, and all of this is going to happen. And then randomly out of nowhere in the second round of the playoffs, we're going to remember that Logan O'Connor is a human and he exists, and he comes off the IR and he comes in the lineup and has a game where you're like. I forgot about this guy too. 
And and it's good to have that depth again because who's my favorite player to make fun of from past Avalanche teams that they always had to turn to when they Sven had injuries? Andrigetto. Sven Andrigetto, Gabriel Bork, Cody McLeod, you name it. Those are the guys they always had to turn to and play them on the second or third or fourth lines. Not anymore. Yep, yep. Um, moving along here, we haven't gotten to grade Dubnik, right? We got to grade the trade, how we gave our two cents on it. Apparently, not everybody agrees with the way we felt about Devin Dubnik. But now that we've seen him in-game action, how do you think he he did? I mean, for me, exactly what we expected. Late in the game, during dangerous chances, he provided me with that confidence that I yes. was able to not be terrified about any shot on goal that was coming in. I, I wasn't sweating it. And, and that's the good thing is as soon as the Grubauer news came down, it didn't even take me a second to be like, oh, damn, oh, good, we have Dubnik. It was just like, we're good. And it's because I I, I had already created this, like, my, my brain had already processed and programmed that Devin Dubnik is the Avalanche's backup goalie. And, and I know we're giving the guy a lot of credit for something he hasn't done in three seasons, but he's just been placed in bad situations. This year with San Jose, last year with the Minnesota team that was crumbling after the whole Paul Fenton hoopla that they had. It's good to see him getting an opportunity. And my favorite part about Devin Dubnik is the guy's confidence. Uh, I would have called it arrogance when he was with the Mutt Wild, but now I'm going to call it confidence. He's on these calls talking about how it feels good to be playing again. It feels good to win another game. He said, it's been a while since I've won an NHL game. I'm going to have them more often now because he knows he's going to play a lot of games. And I kind of asked him a question like, you're going to be playing a lot of games in a little bit amount of days. And you're used to that because from 2015 to 2019, if you remember when he joined the Wild, he played like 39 of the last 42 games. And then that went on and on and on for the next three seasons. And I told him, but it's been a couple of years since you've been in that stretch. And he said, it's, you don't forget it. You don't forget how to play every other night. You don't forget how to be the guy. And uh, every goalie will tell you, hint, hint, Philip Grubauer, because he's been saying it since February. Every goalie will tell you when you get in a rhythm of playing every other night, it's better for you. And, and, and he's, he's ready for it. He wants to do it. He's got the confidence. And it was just like this, like no stress, no panic. Like, I got this. Don't worry about the guy on, on COVID protocol list. I'll be fine. Let's also look at the timing. I mean, obviously with Grubauer going down, you got Devin Dubnik at, at the buzzer. And I yeah, think that's just more testament to how it feels like the universe is more on the Avalanche's side this year, right? You're not having a goalie go down at the worst possible time. Rather, you're having a goalie go down right after you shored up his backup and you have faith in Because now, because of COVID protocol, it's going to be a while till we see Philip Grubauer again. So think about it this way. Philip Grubauer was tested positive for COVID-19 and was added to the COVID protocol list on April 14th. If that was March 14th, you are riding Adam Werner and Hunter Miska. Terrifying. Let, let, let that, that sink in. Let that stew <laughs> for a second. Exactly. Let that sink in for a second. Now you're riding Devin Dubnik and Giannis Johansson. It I mean, made that much of a difference. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if you're completely riding Devin Dubnik. I'm not sure oh, me any, too. anybody me wants too. to see Johansson back in net. I think Johansson will probably get a game when there's a back-to-back. But again, this is Devin Dubnik. This isn't some guy that... Let's face it, dude. Devin Dubnik is used to playing every other night more than Grubauer is. Grubauer was on pace to finally play more than 37 games in a season for the first time in his career. That was like a two-month stretch in Minnesota for Dubnik his entire five years there. He's used to this. 
So it's gonna be it's gonna be good for the Avalanche to be able to rely on someone like that. They play they play obviously tomorrow, which is Friday, which is when our listeners will be reading to, listening to this most most likely. They play Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it's gonna be until. Friday the 30th and Saturday, May 1st until they actually have a back-to-back. So what that says to me is Dubnik, night off, Dubnik, night off, Dubnik, night off, so on, so forth. Until he either Until Grubauer's back or, you know, God forbid, something happens with Dubnik, be it COVID or an injury. Now let's look at it uh, on the other side of things. What if Dubnik plays so lights out that suddenly Jared Bednar has a a decision to make on his hands? What, What do you think he does there? Grubauer's your starter, but you got a good backup that you can turn to at any given time. Simple as that. So you, no matter what, even no if he shuts what. out all the games he plays, you go back to Grubauer. Obviously, you go back crazy. to Grubauer. You, yeah, and even if he does that, you go back to Grubauer because what Grubauer did for the two months where the Avalanche needed him to be at his game because there was no other option. Even you know how every team has one for one roster player who can play goalie. That kind of used to be the the process in case of an emergency backup goalie situation. Now there's actually somebody in the building. Do you know who that player was for the avalanche for the longest time? Mm-hmm. Eric Johnson. And even he's out. <laughs> so it was literally Grubauer or bust for so long because you, you couldn't trust Miska for some reason. Werner just can't get out of whatever doghouse he's in, be it with the, the AHL staff with the NHL staff with Sackick. I don't know, but what he did this season and the games he's played, you turn back to Grubauer, but you know you have a very, very capable starting goalie as your backup. My counterpoint to that, and really just playing devil's advocate here, is we've heard from Grubauer how important it was for him to be in a rhythm, right? Now he's suddenly out of the rhythm. Who knows if he's going to just jump right back in and be right back in that rhythm. So I think you pr- you proceed with caution a little bit. Maybe do yeah. ease him back in rather than straight jumping right back into him because, you know, who knows? I think I think he's going to want to go right back into it because I think he's going to want to go into the playoffs having played Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Monday. Like he's going to want to have that stretch, which the Avalanche their True. May schedule is literally Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. It's five games in an eight game stretch. Right, eight day stretch. While we're on President's Trophy watch, you know those games don't necessarily matter. So if Grubauer, if you want to force playing him and he does lose a couple of them, what's more important is getting him in that rhythm. I think you're 100 percent right. Yeah, exactly. And and he just wants to be able to get back into that rhythm that, you know, we we hemmed and hawed at him on 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 Zoom in every single call for the past two months going, how are you feeling? Do you feel overworked? Do you feel good? Do you feel this? Do you feel? And he we kept asking him and he kept going, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm getting rest. I'm fine. I'm in a rhythm. I'm fine. And he has been. He didn't even get injured. He got he tested positive for COVID. So he's going to want that. And I think that's what Dubnik is going to want right now. So. Those are the two guys you're going to see for the rest of the season. And then uh, last thing I wanted to get into before we take a quick break here was just the whole team getting vaccinated before the St. Louis game. You heard how they were all kind of complaining about fatigue. As you mentioned, Jonas Donskoy ended up sitting out the game because of his uh, side effects, I guess. Um, So what's your take on the whole team getting vaccinated? And has this happened around the NHL? Have other teams gotten vaccinated in unison? A lot of teams have been doing this, yes. Tampa Bay was one. There's been a bunch of teams, and they've been announcing it like so. That's why the questions started to come out to Bedners, because other teams started announcing it. And and to me, it's it it's smart, man. Before we go into the playoffs, let's, let's make sure we're protected. Let's make sure we're good, because the last thing you want is for Grubauer to test positive in the playoffs. 
or Dubnik to test positive or not, sorry, not Dubnik or McKinnon or McCarr. That's the last thing you're going to want when the playoffs come around. So, you know, and that's looking at it from an entirely hockey standpoint, which the vaccine to hockey just doesn't matter. Hockey doesn't matter. The vaccine is to protect humans, but for the avalanche to strategically do it this way is in preparation for the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know how I how much I like to bet. And after that news came out, of course, my first initial thought was, okay, maybe this is the game the Avs lose. First time in a while, St. Louis is a decent team. Avs, you know, haven't been putting the full 60 together. This might be a good time to uh, take the Blues here. I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because I knew this Avalanche team is too strong. I threw my money on the Avs money line, and I came out looking smart. So, um, you know, it, it's just it's hard it's hard to bet against these guys right now. They're, they're just looking good, and even when they aren't looking good, they're still pulling out the W. Carl Soderberg was their second line left winger. Think about that. Carl Soderberg for Con Smythe. Carl Soderberg for Con Smythe, <laughs> and the playoffs haven't even started yet. He's already put his name in the hat. What a team, man. What a team. Right. So if you want to, you know, go ahead and put some money on the Avalanche and get some money back out of it, a little bit of an investment there, I call it. Don't Go ahead and download DraftKings, guys, because not only hockey coming down to the wire, but basketball teams are entering the final month of the regular season as well, and they are gearing up for the playoffs. Some teams are locks to make the playoffs. Others are still fighting for their opportunity to chase the trophy this summer. DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action with a chance to turn $1 into $100 in free bets. Turning $1 into $100 is simple. Pick any basketball team to win their next game, and if during that game the team of your choosing hits a three, you bring home $100 in free bets. That's 100 to 1 odds on the team of your choosing to hit a three-pointer. They don't even need to win. This year's teams have been hitting threes at unprecedented rates. So get in on all of the action with DraftKings Sportsbook before this offer ends. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free bets if the, if the basketball team of your choosing hits a three. That's code MHS to turn $1 into $100 in free bets for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Let's look at uh, who's up next here, Arif. We got the LA Kings in another two-game series. It's been a while since we've seen these two-game series. I honestly, I'm so comfortable with them, and I like them so much that I just, I was a little bit annoyed that they came that they had to play Arizona once and St. Louis once. I love the two game series. I'm, I'm yeah, they've been a lot of fun. I'm sold on them. It it, stru- it structures our podcast better too because we're like, all right, we got two games against the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's come back and talk about that. Two games mm-hmm. against the Blues. Oh, they swept them. Great. Here comes Minnesota. One and one. Like it's been very structured in that sense, uh, and it's been weird to see them playing one game one gamers now. Right. Isn't it crazy how fast that changed? And I think it's I think it's going to be something we're going to see more of next year. I hope so, because I love it. I mean, I think it does throw a different caveat into things, but it's just a small adjustment you have to make and, you know, study the other team a little bit harder. So looking at that, L.A., Avs haven't necessarily had a problem with them this season. Um, they did a little bit early on, but ever since then, they've been able to take care of L.A. no problem. L.A. not exactly playing very well. They had a small window of uh, – wins that they were accumulating but 
I think most recently they got blown out by the Las Vegas Golden Knights. So um, what are you expecting for this series? Uh, a couple games for Devin Dubnik to get his feet wet with the Avalanche. Uh, a couple more games for the lineup to take shape because Soderberg will likely slot into a center role on L3 or L4, assuming Donskoy's feeling better. Um, an opportunity to sort of figure out what's going on with some of the other guys that were out of the lineup. Uh, Bowen Byram's going to be a little bit further along, but uh, who's going to play? Who's going to play with who? Is Patrick Nemeth ready? So there's going to be some some options here for the Avalanche to kind of get their feet wet with the stability of a lineup that they want to have moving forward and what better team to do it against than a team that you know you can beat twice. So this is the perfect time for them to do that. Yeah, I mean, I hate to take the homer stance and say they're going to win another two games here, but I just they're don't. They're 17, 1, and 2 in their last 20. There's no reason not to think that against the LA Kings. Right, that's that's the thing, is the LA Kings are just that bad of a team that I don't see them posing any threat whatsoever. I think the best of the uh, California teams is probably Anaheim. Am, am I wrong, or do you think it might be LA? It's definitely not San Jose. Anaheim has been the worst of the three teams, but Anaheim's beaten the Avalanche more than LA has. Right. Uh, and Anaheim seems like they've been the tougher competition, and it's it's because Troy Terry, if he played the Avalanche 82 times, would win the Maurice Rocket Richard Trophy. The guy scores against the Avs all the time. It's pretty funny. But there's no reason not to bet against them. I mean, it's crazy how fast these games are going because when I saw the statistic that the Avalanche were 9-1 and in their last 10 games, it made me realize that one loss was the Minnesota game. So the Vegas overtime loss that feels like yesterday, that was more than 10 games ago. And they've won every single game other than the – like this is record-breaking historic stretches that the Avalanche are going on for their team's history. And I don't think we entirely have processed that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you obviously – But the goal is the goal is to win when it matters. And the goal – yeah, and, and I understand that. What I'm, what I'm saying is you want to nod your cap a little bit to the schedule, right? I mean, that's definitely been a benefit yeah. for the Avalanche playing it's these been a trash de- teams yeah. so many it's times. It's been a benefit for a lot of teams because you get a team figured out, you play them five more times, six more times. It's the same reason why Tampa Bay, Carolina, Vegas, Toronto, there's so many teams that in a regular season would be on pace not just for 100 points but for 110, 115, for the Avalanche's sake, over 120. It's because of the schedule, and I agree with that. It's also cool you look around the standings right now and in the Discover Central, the first place team, Carolina Hurricanes, 60 points. Also tied with Tampa Bay at 60 points. You look at the Mass Mutual East, Washington, at the top, 60 points. You look at the Scotia North, Toronto, at the top, 60 points. You look, you look at, at the Honda West. Honda West, Colorado Avalanche, 64 points. So just showing you, they're about a half ahead above of the other top teams that are in the NHL. Yeah, and Vegas has been on their tail with four points behind and one game in hand for the last little while every time the Avs win, the Golden Knights win, but you got nothing to worry about. You're just looking forward, and and for the Avalanche's case, there's no reason why you can't keep this up and, and, and win the West Division and win the President's Trophy. Yeah, I mean, keeping an eye on that, so we'll see how these next two games go. Nice little fun weekend of Avs hockey, so, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I, I assume we'll probably, because that... Sunday game's a late one, right? It's a 7 p.m., so we should be yeah, back. Yeah, they're both 7 p.m.ers. Cool. Yeah, so we should probably be back Monday, right? Correct. Well, between now and then, we got some Twitter questions to get to, and I'm happy you put these out to our uh, listeners because sometimes we just need to get out there and interact with them. And, you know, you recently saw a wave of new followers, and you've also kind of noticed something unique about uh, those followers, haven't you? 
yeah, these followers are diehard Avalanche fans, and and please, if you are an an an, uh, a, an existing follower from before this last week, I'm not bashing you by any means. But this new wave of followers has been this like super passionate Avalanche fans, where every tweet is being interacted with. Uh, smart fans and the ones that I had before, it was the same names every time. I knew who to expect to to, to interact with me because they're great fans. Now there are a whole bunch of names that I'm trying to learn, a whole bunch of Twitter handles I'm trying to learn, and I love it because this is why I'm here. This is the kind of audience I'd like to I'd like to build for my professional career. And as a hockey fan, I want to talk hockey with other people that are just as passionate about the Avalanche as I am, and I have that now. So thank you guys for all the questions. These are some good questions, and I'm excited to go through them. Right, so let's start it off with uh, obviously an Avs nerd too, with the Twitter handle at Avs Call C O L, right? Avs Colorado. When would it be realistic to expect Byram back? And even then, seems like he hasn't played in forever. His role in the playoffs could be affected. What's your stance on Bowen Byram's return? So what I think about Bowen Byram. So when he tested positive for coronavirus, which was what seven six. Eight, I, I'm losing track of the days here. But when he tested positive for coronavirus, he will be on the COVID protocol list for 14 days. On that 14th day, when he comes off the list, he does his cardiac test. He passes the cardiac test. Then he begins to practice off the ice, on the ice with the team, and then gets into the lineup, which as you know, with Jared Bednar, you got to get some practices in before you play, no matter who you are, even if you're Nathan McKinnon. So it'll take a little bit while, a little bit of a while. So I expect to see him that last week of April. In terms of his role and him not playing for forever, uh, I would have agreed with you a little bit ago, a couple weeks ago, but seeing the ice time that the Avs have given to guys like Timmins and to guys like Renouf and even McDonald, whose ice time has dropped immensely, uh, in my mind, the top six for this defense is Makar, in no particular order, Makar, Taves, Gerard, Byram, Graves, and Nemeth. And then you still know that you have depth guys in McDonald, in Timmins, in Renouf, in, uh, in, in all these other options to play. But I do think that Byram will be part of that top six. Well, and you you think about it this way, up until three, four months ago, you know what else he hadn't done in forever? Played in the NHL, right? So yeah. he jumped in and pretty quickly got a, got a hang of that and wasn't an issue at all. Or played hockey in general. Played hockey in yeah, general. Yeah, I mean, he went... After his junior season was was cut yeah, short. I mean we did see him at the World Juniors, right? And that's kind of what his preseason was for this season. And he jumped yep. right into the NHL and and was able to handle things just fine. So I don't see him doing anything differently. I mean, yeah, an injury you want to be a little bit more cautious of. Make sure you don't bring him back too early. But in terms of you know his fitness and just being able to hang out there, not worried about it whatsoever. Because the biggest strength of his game, I think, is his IQ, and that's not going away. No, not at all. And it's it's just crazy to me to think that the Avalanche took McDonald and Byram with them into the bubble last year in Edmonton. And even though they didn't use either of them, uh, both of those guys came out of that experience better hockey players and more developed, I should say. It's not like Byram wasn't, you know, a former fourth overall pick or anything, uh, but they came out more developed. And I think that those were really good experiences for both those guys. Moving on, we're going to Mary Pace at Mary Baseball 200. Thoughts on Soderberg killing penalties. Is it something we are likely to see a lot, or was it more of a function of Donskoy being out of the lineup? I think we'll see it a lot. He's uh, He was always someone that the Avalanche liked to use on the PK, uh, not as much as Nieto and Calver or Nieto and Como before that, but Soderberg was a staple, and I think that Bednar likes to have his staples. And as we saw with the ice time he had 
in his first game against St. Louis and the role he got to play straight away a left wing position on the second line. We know Bednar loves him and we know Bednar trusts him and, and Soderberg has not proven any reason why that shouldn't be the case. So even with Donskoy back, I think Soderberg will play on the PK and now Bednar just has more options. You just love to be a fly on that wall when Joe Sackick and Jared Bednar were talking about how are we going to improve the PK, right? You just I, I would love to see whose reaction did what when it was like, well, we could bring back Nemeth. And then the and other guy's like, how about Soderbergh too? Why don't we bring back Soderbergh while we're at it? And there was somebody had that tweet of, I think it was like SpongeBob looking out the window at, you know, uh, at like Patrick and whoever else playing. And uh, it was, this is Matt Nieto looking in the window waiting for his call. <laughs> I saw a lot of that. I saw Matt Duchesne. I saw Ryan O'Reilly. I think uh, Euro Lynch even threw out Aaron Pelushai. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were digging That's deep on that one. That's a name. Uh, let's see. Next question here we've got from Jacob at a Colorado Hokie. Mm-hmm. What's a Hokie? That's a college team, isn't it? I, I would, Oklahoma. I think it's. I, I, now you're making I us look know. back and look back in front of Jacob. God damn it, JJ. Sorry, sorry Jacob. We don't know Hokies are. Um, but we're happy you're in Colorado. Do you think the PK struggles are correlated to Logan O'Connor and Calvert being injured or just a regression to the mean? I'll kind of go into what I was talking about a little bit ago when we were talking about the PKs. I think they're just going through a stretch, uh, and that stretch is related to Logan O'Connor being out and Calvert being out and new guys playing and now Soderbergh being in, the defense changing, taking minutes away from some guys, giving it to other guys. Um, and again, they're they're letting in power play goals in games where they're up 3 nothing or they're up 5-1 and 5-2, and stretches like this happen. Uh, I think they have the... The uh, the players, the assets, and the system to have a good PK, and I think they ultimately will once everything is settled back in. I mean, last week they were in sixth in the NHL in penalty kill. Right now they're only at ninth. So yeah, it, they're struggling a little bit, but it's not like they've top ten. Yeah, it's not like they've dropped to the bottom third of the league. So uh, I would say a regression to the mean is more uh, an appropriate answer there because they did have a little bit better. I guess, stretched than we expected them to for a little while, being at the sixth place. I mean, with the guys that they have on that penalty kill, I don't. I wouldn't have thought that they'd be in sixth place in the NHL uh, at any point in the penalty kill. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. But it's just great to see guys like Val Nichushkin and Tyson Joe suddenly taking on PK roles and getting better at them, you know, by the game. It's, it's awesome to see. Next question is coming from Richard Hansel, at Hansel. Ideal playoff lineup and taxi squad composition, assuming full health. Ooh, I didn't plan for this one, but let me give it a go. The top line is going to be Landeskog, McKinnon, Rantanen. Your second line, hot take, right? Your second line is going to be, let's say, Saad, Kadri, and Burakovsky, and Donskoy might take that spot from Saad. But for argument's sake, let's go with that. Your third line is going to be the all European line. It's going to be Nachushkin. It's going to be Soderberg, and I do think Soderberg will get it above Jost, and I'll get to the reason why in a second, and it's going to be Donskoy. The reason why I guess I think Soderberg is going to be up, above there, up there above Jost, even though Jost has that chemistry right now, is because the one thing that Soderberg can do that Jost can't do is score goals. Jost does everything correctly but put up points. Soderberg can do all of those things as well and put up points. 
So I think Soderberg is going to get that position. I think Jost is going to center that third, that fourth line with 37 and with uh, Matt Calvert when he's healthy, 11. And that's going to leave 41 on the outside looking in. That's going to leave Liam O'Brien on the outside looking outside looking in and that's going to leave logan o'connor who's injured right now who as soon as he's ready to come back in calvert better be on his game because someone like liam like logan o'connor can take over his spot really quickly on defense you're going to see mccarr you're going to see mccarr byram uh taves and gerard in your top four one way or another whether it's taves and gerard whether it's taves and mccarr something like that i think your last pair is going to be ryan graves and patrick nemeth Patrick Nemeth, to me, takes over the role of what they wanted from Eric Johnson. So that's going to be your third line. You're obviously going to go with Grubauer and Dubnik. And then Taxi Squad, let's look at all those other guys. You got Jacob McDonald. You got uh, Logan O'Connor, like I was talking about, who's injured right now. You have Liam O'Brien. Who am I missing? You got Dan Renouf. You have, uh, help me out here. Who am I missing? I'm trying to follow and think. I'm, I'm it's tough because you're literally doing this on the fly. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing them down as I go along. But you have enough guys there. Jonas Johansson will obviously Timmons. be on that taxi squad. Connor Timmons, thank you. I forgot about him. Uh, that right there is that there. There it is right there. Those are the guys that you're going to look to. Um, the most refreshing part for me is every single name I just listed is a name that you're comfortable with playing in the NHL. You didn't get to the Burroughs and the Keaton Middleton, which, like I tweeted, I think Keaton Middleton, it's written into his contract that he is expected to fight people because that's what he does in every shift. And then he went into the American Hockey League yesterday and beat the crap out of some guy in a game the, the Eagles were winning for nothing. So it's what he does. But you haven't gotten to those guys. On the offensive side, you haven't gotten to Sheldon Dries, or as Bednar calls him, Dries. You haven't gotten to Tynan. You haven't gotten to these guys that you don't necessarily feel comfortable with them playing. And what I have here is a list of 30 names that are all guys that you're comfortable with seeing. Um, It says to me the Avalanche have depth. And uh, it says to me that Soderbergh and Nemeth were great additions as well. Yeah, and you don't even count, you know, Eric Johnson. If he was in the lineup, you've got 31 capable bodies, right? Yes, Eric Johnson, as Joe Sackick said in our press conference the other day, Francis is out for the year. He's having the same surgery that Varlamov had, which I believe was double that double hip surgery. Ah. Yes. So that's what Francis is having. I'm, I'm glad you reminded me. And whoa, Eric Johnson, whoa, he said, whoa, if whoa, Eric... Whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pump the brakes. What? Do you remember whoa, whoa, whoa. at the beginning of the season when I said, I, I remember think exactly this is a hip injury. To. And then you went and asked yep. Jared Bednar, is this a hip injury? And he blatantly and he said, lied. No. Making us look silly. It's what they do. It's funny because Eric Johnson, when we asked him what the when when he got to Eric Johnson, Joe Sackick said if he gets back, it'll be you know deep into a playoff run. So that says to me third or fourth round. And there's another name on the list. But then Mike Chambers said, Joe, can you confirm that the Eric Johnson injury is arm related? Because Mike has a source that has told him that Eric Johnson was wearing a cast on his arm. And could you confirm that Francis's injury is the double hip surgery that you're referring to? And Sackick with a smile said, Johnson's upper body, Francis's lower body. They just won't say, but it is what it is. So, and those are two names that I haven't listed, but these are names on a paper that just show that this team is loaded with depth. Man, I'm rattled now. Come on, Betsy, how are you going to do me like that? I thought we were friends. <laughs> 
Next question, we're going to Battleborn Avs fan. Here, here, this is what we're talking about, right? More of those diehards that recently jumped on the air of deanship. At Smith06 underscore E. How much will Nemeth assist on the penalty kill? If healthy, who do you have projected to play on the third and fourth lines to begin the playoffs? You kind of went over it. Just yes. go over it quickly again. Yep. I'll start with that second one. Uh, third line is going to be the All-European, Nichushkin, Donskoy, and Soderberg in the middle. Fourth line is going to be the best buds, Jostin Comfer, playing with Matt Calvert. If everybody's healthy, that's the, things, that's the lineups I see for the third and fourth lines to begin the playoffs. In terms of Patrick Nemeth, I'll say it again. Patrick Nemeth is coming in to do the exact role that the Avalanche had envisioned in their mind for Eric Johnson this year. He's going to play on the line with Ryan Graves. They're going to be the two towering defensemen, the shutdown pair. They're going to play big PK minutes. They're going to be on the ice to end games when the goalie's pulled for the other team and you need a shutdown pair. Those are your guys. And again, if you remember, like I said on the last episode, game 82 against the St. Louis Blues in 2018. When Landeskog scored that game win, not the game winner, but when Landeskog scored that empty netter and they had the dog pile and ranted and jumped in at the end, Patrick Nemeth was on the ice. So that's going to be his role. And yes, he will play on the PK because Eric Johnson would have been playing big minutes on the PK. Here's a throw in question. Let's hear it. Who do you think is going to have the best playoff beard this season? Ooh, Patrick. Right? Admit, that's kind of what I was thinking. Beard. It's a yeah. beautiful the guy that guy grows a beautiful beard. Absolutely Patrick Nemeth. JT Comfort will be right behind and Liam O'Brien's got a beauty as well, but but I'm gonna go with Nemeth. We got two more questions here. Uh I want to get to this one just because it's funny, not so much serious. Mainly because this this tweet, I love I just love everything about it. From the guy's avatar picture throwing up rock and roll hands to his Twitter handle being <laughs> at too fucking dope. Rob Scotch asks, if some guys are sluggish from the vaccine, then what should we expect when they're done toying with the league? I'll hang up and listen. So basically saying, if that's the way they're going to play when they're sluggish from getting the vaccine and they're going to beat St. Louis like that, what are we to expect when they're feeling it? When they're feeling it, they're going to be back to putting up nine goals against the Coyotes and Donskoy scoring a hat trick in seven minutes. Shout out to you, Rob Scotch. You, like me, are very much aware of how good this team is while J.J. Jerez sits back in his chair and just goes, ah, I'm a little worried about God knows what. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sold. I'm not fully sold. I'm kind of thinking the Avalanche are going to beat the L.A. Kings, so I'll put $2 on the money line. It's like, come on, dude. They're 17-1-2. Throw the bank at it. I don't know. I don't know. But that segues us nicely into this next and last question here from Hussein Charara. H. Charara Charara 19. Did I say that right? A little bit, yeah. Go for it. Let's hear the question. This is this is one of my buddies in Detroit, and I'm really interested to hear what the hell he has to say. Hussein asks, will the Avs make it out of the second round this year? I feel like that was a little bit of a jab. A little bit. Should I place a bet on the Avs to win the Cup? Is Sackett going to trade Newhook and Cout to the Red Wings to help Iserman with the rebuild so we can see our dreams? Wings versus Avs, Stanley Cup final. So for starters, in order for the Wings versus Avs Stanley Cup final to be a thing, uh, the Wings got to get their shit together. Uh, I went to high school with this kid, middle school with this kid. Uh, I watched as the Red Wings won year after year and listened to him utter the words Avs blow. So the Red Wings blow. In order for that to happen, they got to get their crap together. Uh, it's funny he mentions New Hook and Cout because we were talking about Anthony Mantha before he got traded to the Capitals and how you know maybe that's someone the Avalanche could go after. 
And I said, Newhook isn't going to go in a trade like that. It'll likely be the next level of prospects like Cout and Bowers. So he kind of took one of each and expected that to get you. Manta, which considering what the Red Wings got for Manta, like shout out Steve Eiserman, man. Like that's a hell of a trade. You still weren't going to get Newhook, not out of Sackick. Will the Az make it out of the second round? I think they will this year. Should I place a bet on the Az to win the cup? This is the same degenerate gambler friend that got me into gambling that put 500 bucks on the Avalanche to win the cup last year in the bubble, and they didn't make it out of the second round, and he's throwing some salt on that. Mm. So shout out to Hussein Sharada for throwing a question at me. Uh, he's also a good tennis player, so I, I think he'll whoop us both, even though I got to get my revenge on you. Yeah, it's tennis season. It's tennis season. We're but, getting uh, there. Snowing right know. now, but we're getting there. I think that's the part that I'm not sold on fully with this team. Yeah, they're a great team. Don't get me wrong. Do I think they have what it takes to win the cup? Yes. Do I think they will? I don't. Rob Unfortunately, Scotch. I see Vegas coming Rob's, out. On Rob top. Scotch at two fucking dope. <laughs> Please tweet JJ. That's coming at me. Why he's incorrect. There is one more question, and I'm a little upset you missed this one, and it comes from at Hope Cholo. Boo. <laughs> Important. Only because I know at Hope Cholo, he's a buddy of mine. I just whooped him in FIFA yesterday. <laughs> Jeez. Important question. Is J.J. Jerez jealous that you now have more followers than him? Quick answer, no. As you guys can tell, sometimes I go five, six, seven days without even being on Twitter. So if you think uh, a follower Twitter battle uh, is something I really care Yeesh. about, it's, it's, it's just not. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's what he's saying because he's losing by a lot. But if he was, you know, even had a chance, it would be a different answer. Mm. I don't know. I'll just keep beating you in tennis, and I'll feel plenty good about that. I got you. Once the snow melts, because it's Colorado, and it decided to dump snow on us on April 15, we're going to go for a rematch. All right, on. Yeah, this snow is ridiculous. So I'm going to get out of here and uh, go enjoy the rest of the night in the snowy weather, right? Just bundle up, get a fire going, get some Netflix going, some Hulu, some NHL Network on Sling. Man, I just gave so many free ads there yeah shout out to you for the sling login that that lets me the ability whoa to watch whoa keep that on on the low keep network. that on the low yeah. but uh yeah I thanks mean, for we're we're, yeah. we're talking about a season where half of the avalanche fans are using illegal streams to watch games i think we're good you're right yeah. that's true Don't shout out to all you, yeah and sh yeah and shout out to all you avalanche fans if you're going to be at these home games there's only four more of them at the regular season but we got one friday one sunday tweet at me i will be there in the press box if i can see you from there i'll wave Arif <laughs> wants to feel important so if you want to meet him in the third uh level two by the nacho stand come on we're, we're living in a pandemic here. i got one more vaccine there. shot oh oh yeah come on dude well That'll do it for this episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't checked it out already, I don't know what you're doing. Um, I live on DraftKings, so, you know, tweet me. Talk. Let's talk some bets. Let's talk some action around the NHL. And, hey, I'm even into NBA soccer and MLB bets. Love betting against the Rockies. Easiest money you can make this year. So, um, yeah, let's wrap it up here, Arif. Any final thoughts you want to get out? Nope, we're we're heading into the final few weeks of the season. Uh, two of the last four regulation regular season home games are going to happen this weekend. Uh, let's see what Devin Dubnik's got. I'm excited to see him go on a roll here. Absolutely. So, as always, if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your heart. Hockey's for everyone, and we out you. Yeah.